For our first message, we have a split sermon from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, The Way, the Truth, and the Life. Mr. Carter. Happy Sabbath, everyone. I say it that way because that's part of my introduction for the day, at least. Because one reason I mention prayers, and I'm always happy when I, like, if you go to Facebook on our Tulsa Church of God Facebook, I always put the, you know, happy Sabbath, is because the world can drive you nuts. This week, this week we worked 50 hours with multiple projects. I had a cold for two and a half days. I mean, this is a real wild week. And, you know, it's... It's just nice that when God gives you the time to relax, like on the Sabbath, I sleep 12 hours. First time I sleep about 12 hours. <clears throat> little secret you all didn't know. I don't have kids or anything, so I can just go to bed at night and die. That's it. I take the time to just relax and just little church things and this and that. I don't worry about much. But one thing I do like about the Sabbath, one thing I do like about the Sabbath, it gives us, God gives us that 24 hours. And I mention this a lot of times on Facebook when I do it as well is we get time to meditate on what he says in the word of God without any dis distractions. I guess unless you've got a sick kid or something. But, or other issues like this morning had to run to do something. But other than that, you normally have time to sit back and just analyze and look at something, whatever strikes your fancy when you read the Bible. So today, since I had a week notice to get this ready, that's what I would do. I actually thought last time that about a week ago, something to speak on, and I thought this would be good. Something we can reflect on, and something from the Word of God. Jesus makes an interesting comment in a response to a question by his disciples. And the reason this came up is because we read this scripture, as you can see up there, you probably know where the scripture is. We're heading close to the Passover, and we usually read John, like John 13 through 17, that region. And in the, in the midst of that, there's actually a very interesting scripture. Just thought we'd focus on it today. John 14, 5 through 6. My notes say 7. I guess I had uh, forgot that I don't need the extra scripture. But it doesn't matter. We see that in the discussion, Thomas got some, asked a question. I'm not going to go into it. You can read around it. But he's, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, or how can, how can we know the way? And then Jesus' reply was real simple. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to me except through me. I'm sorry, let's repeat that last part. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, you see at this point, Jesus declares himself the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to go to the Father without him. So I wanted to today just break down a lot, just break down the three there, the three categories he gave, and the basic ideas. First one, he says he is the way. I, I give up I gave up looking up the Greek after this, because really when you look up the Greek, the way, other than the way just means path or route or road or however you want to take it. When I looked up truth, it just said truth. I said, well, <laughs> And life just means life. So, you know, it, it means exactly what it says. But it said, we are told in this verse that Jesus says he is the way, the path. And we, in the past, there have been many other teachers who claim it. Just as a side story, there was a book I found at Garner's bookstore. 
I couldn't pronounce the guy's name. If my life depended on it, I'd have to hear it. It's somebody from India. And I got it, and I didn't know what it was about. It was just religious. It was supposed to be some religious writings. He claimed to know the way, the truth, and the life. So I read some of it. You know what? All he did was plagiarism. Plagiarism, if I said that right. Because basically, I read it and realized, hold it. He's just reading the Sermon on the Mount and just put a little extra to it. So he's just taking it from God. That's all he did, take it from Jesus Christ. But Jesus, how, so how is he the way? That's what I want to address. First, there's actually two thoughts on this when I actually looked up on Google. And I'm going to go for the first one. First, Jesus Christ is our mediator that goes between us and the Father. Because our sins, unfortunately, block us from the Father. And there would be no way to have a relationship with the Father at all without Jesus Christ. He and we'll go into that in just a second, but he removes our, the stumbling block of sin so we can start our journey, our journey as a Christian. We see this. Paul wrote to Timothy. It's a real short verse, but it makes its point very pointed. In 1 Timothy 2.5, 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. So there's only one mediator. It's no one else. Even, though any, even if other religions claim it, that's not true. Jesus Christ is our mediator. We also see this expanded just a little bit more in Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. Again, I always felt that Hebrews was written by Paul. But it doesn't matter. The scripture is just as valid. And it says in verse 11, and I'm going to skip a couple. I'll skip a few scripture verses in this group. And I think I told Brian that. So in Hebrews 9, 11, 15, 11 through 15, but, but Christ came as a high priest uh, of good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Now we skip on down to verse 14. How much, sh how much more should the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offer, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience, consciousness from death, dead works, to serve the living God. For this reason, he is, Jesus Christ, is the mediator of the new covenant by, the, by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So we see that Christ is our way. I mean, without him, we would never even be able to start the path at all. Our sins just get in the way. Trust me, having a cold, I realize how much, if I didn't watch myself, that <laughs> I could mess up this week. Because just because... And I'm, I'm picking on me, but I'm sure you can look at your own world where you realize that there's just times you stumble whether it's just something, it's just your attitude or whatever. And just that mere sin just separates us. The other point was, that I, and this is one that most everybody seemed to primarily go into, was the fact that Jesus showed us the way. I can buy that. Yeah, that's true. He did. He came because he, even he made the comment in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. He said, you know, he's talking about how to enter into how to enter into eternal life. Enter by the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there is many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So he speaks. When Jesus spoke there, he was speaking of how narrow the way is to get into eternal life. It's, everybody else in the world just does whatever they want. And, and that's not how you would inherit eternal life. I mean, granted, I mean, it, it, I know God sometimes sends that delusion and they just don't see it. But nevertheless, it's, the wide gate is not the way we're supposed to go. And as Peter figured out from what he said in 1 Peter 2.21, 1 Peter 2.21 for those writing it down, Peter says, for, for to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow, in, follow his steps. So when you read the Gospels, you can actually learn Christ's character, actually. I thought of one example, and this is kind of comes from the Feast of Tabernacles, because I, I ask, always wondered why Dale sat here and fed the people. Well, he actually pulled from the Bible where the analogy of, analogy of where these, these 5,000 5, individuals went and heard Christ out in the desert. And they, they got hungry and all that. They didn't bring enough food and so forth. And I know how hunger is. Ugh, it's not fun. Like I said, one day I had to work a little longer and didn't get quite the break on time. And boy, you get the coffee and the donut gets the uh, need. And, but just imagine them being out three days. And you know, he goes to the disciples and he goes, we're going to feed them. And they go look at him like, uh, yeah, I got five. I think I forgot how many fish and how many bread. But he looked at him like, you can't feed 5,000 on this. He said, just watch me. <laughs> but he was gracious to the people. He was gracious. He said, we're not going to send them off hungry. Come on, they came out here to hear me, I'm going to feed them. And that's a characteristic that, I know I'm picking on Dale, but he said that's the reasoning. God was compassionate and gracious to these people. So if, we could, if you could be that way, that's one way to be. And he was very understanding, too. You notice that many times, like when the disciples ask a question, and you, kind of seem, you almost can see Jesus roll his eyes on the question, and, but he answers it in a very nice fashion. The second point he gives, he is, it says, second, Jesus is the truth. He did not just provide us a way to follow, as in, you know, not just, or an open, way, an open door to a relationship to, Jesus, or to the Father, but he's provided us the truth to help us stay in that way. The words of wisdom and truth that we can follow. Because, you know, when you really watch the Gospels, you realize there's really not that much about his actions. A lot of us is, yes, there is, but there's not a lot. But he leaves a lot of good sayings and a lot of good ways, we, you know, words we could follow. We know this because I, I picked on Peter earlier because he's an interesting character. There's a situation in, uh, in John 6, and I think it was about the fact that he said you have to eat the flesh of man or the son of man and all that. And, and he offended multiple people. And, they, and as it says in John 6, 66 through 69 in this event... When he made, when these parables, these hard parables went through, he said, from that, point, from, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They couldn't follow us. They couldn't, you know, they said, hey, this is too hard for us. And then Jesus, that's why I said rolled eyes. 
I can see Jesus saying, well, Jesus turned around to his disciples, or in this case he says, then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? I like Peter's response. I like his response. He said, so Simon Peter says, or answered and said, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got it. Whether he understood it didn't matter. He knew, and I'll repeat it. He said, Lord, to whom should we go? You, you have the words of eternal life. So he, he knew that Christ had the words for, had what he needed. And there was no one else to follow. Where would he go? And we're really in the same boat. I mean, pretty much. I mean, where else would you go? I, we go to this and we read it and we try to follow it the best we can. We see that Jesus, when he spoke, kind of, kind of, use Steve a little bit here on that one because he did a very good one on the rule of law last week. In Matthew 5, 17 through 19, Jesus says, speaking of some of the words, that, some of the example of his words, he said, I'm not going to read all of Matthew 5 through 7. That would be, oh, I get hungry. I, I like Miriam's food too much to sit here and read that long. On Matthew 5, 17 through 19, do not think that I've come to destroy the law of the prophet, prophets. I do not come to destroy, but fulfill, or make them, or complete them. In other words, he can actually, without sin, complete them. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whosoever there breaks, who. Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least of these commandments and teach men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of God, or heaven. And whosoever does teach them, or whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he upheld the laws and the prophets. Like Steve said, you know, last week he was saying that um, how the law and the prophets, they don't save us, but they guide us in our life, that we have a good life. Like he said, the narrow gate is destruction. Well, God has a, 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 a not narrow, sorry, I will re say the verse. The wide gate, which everybody goes, leads to destruction. The narrower way of life, which we're supposed to have, which we read in the Bible, leads to, leads to life. And he didn't just, and he also didn't just sit here and just, well, now I'm going to plug in something here for the fun of it. If you are interested, since I did mention Steve's sermon, just as a little shameless ad here, you, if you also can go to sermon.net, but we also, have a Tulsa, we also have a Tulsa Church of God YouTube channel, and I posted it there last week. So if you want to check us out on YouTube for anyone online who may have missed it or whatever, we post weekly. And it was a really good one about the rule of law and how Christ, he mentioned the same scripture there, that Christ actually obeyed that. But we also see something else. He didn't just tell you to obey the law. In fact, he continued to, and if you continue in the Sermon on the Mount, you will see that he expanded on the principles. He went beyond the physical. He made it spiritual. I'm not, these scriptures, I didn't give it to Brian because I'm just going to read them. Does he go 
further on into the, the actual book of Matthew, for chapter 7, he goes, okay, in verse 22, in his words, he says, you have heard that it is said that said to the, those of old, you shall not murder, and whoso, whosoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Then Jesus says, but I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. For whosoever says, and he goes forth, goes forth. So he even tells you not to be angry. So when we got road rage, and you've got to realize maybe you've got to kind of watch it because maybe they didn't see you. You know, just kind of hold off on the anger part there. I know because my mirror was off one day, and I didn't hit someone, but I got close to cutting someone off by accident, and I had to go stop somewhere and readjust it. It's like, ah! Because sometimes it's not, they're, they don't mean to do it. And when you get angry at someone, he made it spiritual. It's a spiritual thing now. If you get angry with someone and you get to hate them for that, that's, that's equivalent to murder. And it, let's go further. In Matthew 5, 27 through 28, it says, and you have heard it's that it, you, okay, you have heard that it was said in the old days, again, he says, you, you shall not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon, looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. What Christ did was magnify the law. He didn't just say, okay, well, I didn't murder anyone because I didn't do anything. I don't get a knife, gun, whatever else. He says, if you just hate the person, you, you're in your heart, you have done it. If you have certain... Desires that are not, even though natural and you don't control them, you have done that too. You've committed adultery. So he magnified it. And just as a, just as a side, and I kind of pulled out of context, but that's okay. They asked they ask Jesus where he got his authority to say these words because he was such a magnificent speaker. And they said, well, okay, where did you get the authority? This, is, this scripture is going to be found in John 12, 49 through 50. In John 12, 49 50, they ask him, and he says, For so he is, he said, his answer was, For I have not spoke my own on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command with I, what I shall say and what I shall what I shall say and what I shall speak. And I know that he commands his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whosoever whatever I say just as the Father has told me, so I said. So he called upon the authority of the Father in heaven. Third, so we've covered the road. The, he opens up the road. He's the mediator. Just to recap just real quick, he's the mediator. He showed us a path. His words, we can live by Jesus' words and what he says. Then he says he is the he is the he is the he is the way, to, well, as I put it, the way of life. He is life, the life. After the resurrection of, or somewhere around the resurrection of actual Lazarus, we see him say a remarkable statement when he's asked a question by her. And he says in John eleven twenty five, he says, you know, I think it was Martha, if I understand correct, I am, the, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. Shall live. So he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So he declared it there, too. 
So I wanted to call uh, two witnesses on this one, and basically, the, and they're both from Paul's writings, but nevertheless, they're there. First, I want to go to ti Titus 3, 4 through 7. Titus 3, 4 through 7. Paul writes to Titus, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward God, man appears, I'll read that again, so I stumbled. I hate having a cold. I can't always read exactly the way I want to. <laughs> I, I really feel sympathy for everyone who got the flu. I have been praying that everybody gets over it. God, that's awful. We've missed two drivers because of that this week. But to continue, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appears, not by the works of righteousness which he has done, but according to the mercy, he saves us through the wa washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Yes, our conduct is important. Of course, God wants us to go that, the narrow gate and do what we're supposed to, but we can't save ourselves through righteous, our own works, as it says, not by the works of righteousness. We cannot save ourselves. This is the way it is. But it's through the grace of God through Jesus Christ, and as the last verse says, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In Romans 6, 23, it says, but, but now having been, been set free from sin and having becoming servants or slaves, as it says in this, or servants of God, you, ha you have fruits, fruit to holiness and to the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we see from just those two scriptures that Christ is a pivoting point for us to even have eternal life. Without him we wouldn't even have it. And it's not through our own works. Not in any way. We cannot merit ourselves at all. And as I said, we probably slip up every day and sometimes I'm pretty confident we don't even notice when we do. I mean, we'll just go on with life because we're so busy because we got snappy with someone. <laughs> yes, I'm squilling and telling on myself. I did that this week with the cold, and she was really gracious not to say anything, but I got a little snap a couple of times, like, ah. But, you know, it's, but that things like that happen. It's part of the human experience, unfortunately. Like when, like, say, traffic, you get irritable, or you get mad at the news. You want to throw a rock at it, you know. You want to, is it down here? You want to throw this at it? I brought this as a prop a long time ago, and I forgot it was down here. As my mom said, you know, when she gets mad at the news, Throws this foam thing, thing looks like a brick at the TV. So in summary, in summary, I thought it would just reca just recap basically what John 14, 6 says. And just something to think about. Because all like I said in the beginning, this is just something to reflect on. He says, I am the way. Jesus said when he responded to, to Timothy, he says, I am the way. That is the path or the way, however you want to take it, whether it's 
like some commentaries just meant that he showed the way to go, which is true, because he said he was the shepherd. I, I wanted to put that in somewhere. I just couldn't figure out where. This is the problem with speaking, because you don't, you get all these scriptures and don't know how to put them all in, <laughs> in a time frame. But he showed us, he shows us the way, the truth, as it says in John 6, verse 30, uh, 68, which, he, which Peter called it the words to etern- the words of eternal life and the life. As in, like, if, as Jesus said, we can inherit eternal life and become, instead of living only 80 years or whatever period of time we're allotted in this life and we just go away and that's it, God promises us that there's a resurrection for us one day and if we follow him and do what we're supposed to do. These are just a few words from which Jesus said that, that are deep and meaning for us, for those who follow. And I may not have covered it all at all. These are very deep words. I encourage you to meditate on these words and consider the great meaning and the, and the impact that they have on us as we walk on this Christian journey. You all have a great Sabbath.